Greetings, heroes, and welcome to the Comic Book Book Club Pride 2021 special. Uh, fingers crossed that this actually comes out in June. <laughs> that is fully on me to get this edited before the 30th ends. That's uh, really I am your host. You. We'll see. I'm your host, Matt Lasik, and I know a lot about comic books. I'm your co-host, Kendra Forte, and I know nothing about comic books. And today, we will be covering uh, the, the big two. Uh, DC and Marvel both put out Pride one-shots, them being, they're just titled DC Pride and then Marvel Voices colon Pride. Uh, I think that's because Marvel Voices is like their series of... Uh, you know, stuff, series of one shots that feature characters that fall into some sort of category. I think they already had one about uh, that were all like indigenous American peoples, I think. Oh, and that's cool. And they're currently planning one that's about uh, Asian peoples, I think. That's good. But uh, today, we're, yeah, today we're talking about the Pride one. Um, so we're going to be covering the DC one first and then the Marvel one, just because that's the order in which they were published. Uh, just they're both full of pretty short stories. Uh, so we're just going to be running through them, um, detailing both the story and the character or characters that are highlighted, uh, why they are part of the community, their importance to the overall universe, all that good stuff. Uh, all right. You ready to get started, Kendra? Let's go. Let's go. Starting with DC Pride. Uh, the first story presented is titled The Wrong Side of the Looking Glass, featuring Batwoman and her sister. Uh... I will say I am not a big fan of Batwoman just as a character. Um, her whole shtick is that she is Bruce Wayne's cousin named uh, Kate Kane. She was raised by her, uh, you know, career military father. So she's one of those the military brats and that bleeds very heavily into her actions as Batwoman. Uh, and that's just not a vibe that I'm down with. Um, I did like this story, however, uh, because the, the, the story is sort of a recounting of what it's like to like grow up in the closet and sort of in denial of your own identity. Because um, Batwoman uh, identifies as a lesbian, uh, as well as I can remember. Um, so th I, I found this a really relatable and just a really well-made depiction of what it's like growing up in the closet. I... As someone who has never read a Batwoman comic, this was, one, very nice to read. A very good intro to what the DC Pride comic was about. And two, very confusing, because I had no idea who any of the characters were. Yeah, that's, uh, they, they don't really tell you anything about anyone in here. Even there are there are in, in both of the one shots there are new characters that are introduced that I didn't know were new characters. I just thought that I had not read the, the back issue that they first appeared in because they just roll with it. Uh, it's eventually revealed that this whole like the self-reflective retrospective whatever is caused via hallucinations uh, caused by the Mad Hatter, who is a little Batman freak villain that uses mind control technology hidden within headwear. That's his whole gimmick. Um, and he's constantly searching for his Alice because he's whole the you know whole Alice in Wonderland themed. Uh, and the story ends with Batwoman and her sister, conveniently named Alice, beating the crap out of him. Uh, good, good, good start, good start to the special. Uh, next story is titled "By the Victors," 
Uh, and this features John Constantine, uh, Extraño, and Midnighter. So this is our first appearance of Midnighter, who I would say is probably in like top five of most well, like most prominent queer characters in DC. Um, Midnighter was originally uh, uh, a separate timeline analog for Batman, kind of like the whole way that Omni Man is an analog for Superman. Um, I can't remember the author who did it. It was some author's um, critique on... Uh, it, it was basically like a new version of The Boys or Watchmen uh, in that it was, you know, a critique on well-known superheroes. Uh, but, but Warren Ellis. Uh, Warren Ellis is the author that originally created Midnighter, who was a Batman analog, uh, and his love interest, Apollo, who is a Superman analog. I believe Warren Ellis is currently under fire for some sort of uh, thing involving women's rights. I'm not sure. I've been catching little tidbits of it on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very, very recent, very new news. Uh, yep, I found it. I found, the, I found the section on Warren Ellis's Wikipedia page headlined uh, <laughs> sexual coercion allegations. So that's fun. Uh, weird that... He's the creator of one of DC's most prominent gay characters. Gotta deal with that. Uh, but Midnighter and Apollo, who are married, um, first appeared in the Wildstorm uh, timeline as part of a superhero team called The Authority. Um, I've never read The Authority, but I, I've heard it's a pretty good uh, you know, deconstruction of the Justice League and all that. Wildstorm was eventually bought out by DC, so all of the Wildstorm characters were folded into the DC universe. Uh, this story is framed via uh, Constantine encountering Extraño, who is, uh, he's basically a, a gay Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's, the that's, vibe. that's about the vibe of Extraño. Um, I know that's pretty like uh, one dimensional, but like we don't get a lot of character development in this one shot. So that's about all we can really give. Um, so Constantine runs into Extraño in a bar, and Extraño regales him with a tale about when he and Midnighter went to beat up a neo-Nazi vampire who was trying to cast a spell that would make Achilles straight. I am not exaggerating. I am not joking. That is that was very the much whole so plan. what the story is. I, I love it. I love the story. Uh, I, I, it's, the thing that really got me about the story is how matter-of-fact they were of, like, oh yeah, Achilles was gay, and like that's everyone knows this, and it's just this crazy neo-Nazi vampire like loner outsider of society that thinks otherwise. That was a very, uh, a very fresh take, I think, on how that like how Achilles's uh, queerness is really talked about, uh, and I found it very refreshing. Uh, and then the story ends with Constantine saying, "Hey, let's let's go bone." And then Extraño says, I'm married to a werewolf. And Constantine says, he can come, in, he can come too. The more the merrier. I thought, it was, I, thought, I thought it was a fun story. Short and sweet. Did you have any thoughts? I gave it a solid 5, 6 out of 10. I don't know what it is about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I was looking for. There's, yeah, there's better stories in the, in the here, I think. Uh, the next story is titled, Try the Girl featuring the second question, a.k.a. Renee Montoya. Um, the first question is the basis for Rorschach. So that's fun. 
The second question uh, was a previous Gotham City detective and like one of my favorite like Batman supporting cast characters in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, in the mid 2000s, she was taken as a protege for the original question and took his place after he died of cancer. Uh, Renee Montoya uh, identifies as a lesbian. She is uh, very fun, just like, you know, chain smoking, uh, private investigator, yada, yada, yada. Uh, most recently, she appeared as a supporting character in uh, Lois Lane's solo series. Uh, this story uh, involves her tracking down a uh, woman running for city council that was kidnapped. And she fights her way into the warehouse that she's kidnapped in to find her standing over the bloodied bodies of her would-be kidnappers very fun like I, very good uh, uh what's the term uh, like twisting of expectations uh then there's sort of a montage showing the woman going and winning city council and then uh, montoya shows up at her doorstep again and they make out for a bit and then the story ends about as gay as it gets yeah Fun fact, uh, Batwoman's first appearance was in the same miniseries that detailed uh, Montoya's journey, at, at, like, turning into the question. Um, and <laughs> it's very much like, oh, you're here. And because uh, it, it's eventually revealed that Montoya and Batwoman used to date and it didn't end well. Uh, what follows is, I think my favorite story in this one shot that being another word for a truck to move your furniture that's the whole title of the story another uh, another word for a truck to move your furniture i don't know what word they're referring to well it's starring poison ivy and harley quinn uh and it's uh the the two of them are discussing their relationship or lack thereof while fighting one of ivy's plant monsters i just i found both the art and the writing in this to be very light, very fun, very cute. Um, the term, of course, that the title is referring to is U-Haul, which is a sl for those for those of you not well versed in uh, queer culture, U-Haul is a slang term for when uh, two lesbians start a relationship and move very fast. Uh, I think it refers to like, oh, they're you know getting a U-Haul and they've only known each other for a month, that kind of thing. Mm. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really like the story. I just, I don't know. They, they even, like, it's it's mentioned in the story itself that, like, their their relationship has been a very much, like, will they, won't they for a while. And it's only within the past couple of years that DC is, like, finally giving us the little, the little crumbs of gay acknowledgement that we've been thirsting for. I think this was really funny. I enjoyed this a lot. Don't know how I feel about the art style. It is very bright and colorful. Don't necessarily like the way things are drawn. But that's just being nitpicky. Yeah, it's it's this weird like midpoint of it's trying to balance both realism and like cartoony physics. Like there's a there's a bit where uh Harley does the whole like eyes bulging out of the head thing. But it's like just it's just a hair too realistic to really nail that sort of feel. Uh, but other than that, I really I really like the story. Um, next up is titled "He's the Light of My Life," featuring uh, the first Green Lantern, aka Alan Scott, and his son Obsidian. Uh, 
This is riding off the coattails of the Infinite Frontier relaunch um, that decided to retcon uh, Alan Scott into uh, identifying as gay, um, which was a choice that was made during the New 52 relaunch because that de-aged Scott uh, and therefore like gave the writers more freedom with the character. But the original Alan Scott was like a World War II veteran so it was this weird thing and like some comic books that had Scott had him gay and some didn't. So this is them really, this is them really nailing down that there is only one Alan Scott. He's the old one, old one and he's an old gay man. And it's really cool. Um, this sort th- this mostly consists of, uh, Alan describing to his son, just what it was like being gay in like, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, talking about, like, you know, secret speakeasies and that sort of stuff and having to hide his feelings and uh, eventually concluding on uh, Alan telling his son that um, Obsidian's openness with his identity uh, is what encouraged Alan to eventually come out. Hey, guys. Editor Matt here. Very important piece of context that I completely forgot to mention in our initial recording, but uh, Alan's son, Obsidian, a.k.a. Todd, uh, is an openly gay man. In fact, the very beginning of the story is him and his boyfriend waiting for Alan to show up. So I felt the need to add this in in post because that is a very important little bit of context that impacts that bit of the story that we just discussed. Uh, Back to past me. The, the the context that's sort of lost here is that uh, Alan never really had a very strong relationship with his son, uh, and, and it's that sort of trauma that has led Obsidian to sometimes being a villain. So this is this is the sort of the, the the first foundation of them rebuilding their relationship, and it's very sweet. I think. I think this was my favorite story. It's not cute, but it's beautiful. It's heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next story is called Clothes Makeup Gift, featuring, uh, okay, so it's featuring a future Flash. This is, this is going to take a little explaining. Uh, recently, DC had an event called Future State where they jumped uh, into the future of their timeline and like, explored some kind of like what-if concepts. Uh, one of those involved a, uh, a Flash from Earth-11 named Jess Chambers. Now, Earth-11 is the, uh, is the timeline where uh, every character is gender-swapped. So instead of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, their Justice League is led by uh, Batwoman, Superwoman, and Wondrous Man, I think is his name. <laughs> uh, so uh, Jess Chambers comes from uh, the Future State Justice League line where she went from Earth-11 to Earth-0, which is like the home base, uh, to help out the main Justice League of the future, uh, wherein she started dating Aquawoman, who is Aquaman's daughter. Um, so this uh, short story involves Jess uh, preparing for a date with Aquawoman. Um, it's very I listen. I love Flash stories. I I just love the Flash, uh, and this is this is no different. Um, she fights her own new version of Mirror Master. Uh, A.K.A. Oh God, what's the dumb name? Uh, Reflect is mm-hmm. spelled R-E-F-L-E-K. I hate that name, but I love her costume. Reflect's costume is just like 
It's so like 60s, you know? Wait, I have to find it. Because I know what you're it's... talking about, but I don't remember exactly what it looked like. It's very, it's a very fun costume. It's like she, she's got a, a a big natural afro and like a, a a blank reflective mask, and then she's got this like high collared green top. Ah uh, yes, uh, yes. I found it. I, it's, it's beautiful. It's a it's a very fun costume. Um, the Flash, of course, naturally defeats Reflect and gets ready for her date just in time. Uh, I think the reason that I really like this one is because it, it felt, as someone with ADHD, this felt very ADHD uh, in a way that was very relatable, um, which I think is something that is, uh, maybe that's, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's why I like The Flash, the Flash so much, because the, the way <laughs> that writers Flash is an ADHD the, icon. Yeah, with all the super speed thinking and the jumping from one idea to the other. Uh, Huh. I gotta think about this in my own time. Anyways, let's move on to the next story. Uh, which is my favorite title, but my least favorite story overall. This one is called Be Gay, Do Crime. Love that title. It's the reason. It's, it's literally, I was reading this, and I read that this was titled Be Gay, Do Crime, and I said to myself, Alright, I, got, I gotta talk about this. I gotta make an episode. Uh, this this uh, story features the Pied Piper, which was... Uh, I think one of DC's first, like, openly gay characters. Uh, the Pied Piper was originally a Silver Age Flash villain who used, like, Sonics to do various crimes, most of them involving some variation of mind control. Um, eventually, he uh, flipped to the good guy's side and became sort of a, a tech support kind of role for the Flash when it was Wally West's era. Uh, and eventually, he came out as gay. Um, which was very, you know, this was in the 90s, so it was very uh, bold at the time. Uh, in this story, the Pied Piper encounters a new villain named Drummer Boy, which is an awful name. Uh, Drummer Boy is uh, inspired by the Piper to pull similar mind control-related crimes, although there seems to be sort of a social justice Robin hood e element to him. Uh, or to them, I guess, they they look pretty gender non-conforming. Uh, so Drummer Boy and the Piper fight for a bit, and then they talk, and then they make up. Um, and Drummer Boy is basically like, well, I can't just not do crimes because, you know, landlords suck. Yeah. And Piper's like, you know what? Landlords do suck. So then they go beat up a landlord <laughs> instead of beating up random people on the street. This This would almost be a good story, except for... Kendra, do you want to say why it sucks? It's It's got a lot of old people trying to use young people's slang, and it's very cringy. I have to, yeah, stop, it's... I have to stop reading just the entire comic for days, because I was haunted by what yeah, they're trying it, to pull. It's, it's, like, it's like that recent SNL sketch, sketch where it's, what was it, Gen Z Hospital or whatever? Ugh, gag me with a spoon. It, it it has that kind of energy, and it's just not very good. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not cool. It's not like revolutionary. It doesn't do anything interesting with the with the uh, characters. It's just it's just icky. 
the only saving grace is the title. Be gay, do crime. That's the only good thing about this story. Favorite title, favorite, uh, least favorite comic. Yeah. All right, two more stories. The first one is titled Date Night, featuring Dreamer. Uh, Dreamer is a relatively new character hailing from the Supergirl TV show. Um, she is uh, a transgender woman uh, who uses uh, telekinetic powers that are mostly associated with dreams and precognitive abilities. And in this story, she fights the League of Shadows. And that's all I have to say about this story. It's <laughs> kind of boring, which honestly falls in line with the TV, with the Arrowverse TV shows. Kind of boring. I have to agree, but that's another, that's another topic. <laughs> the only, there was one good part about this story though. And that is in the internal monologue, Dreamer says, and I quote, oh, what in the gay hell? And I love that. I love that for her. Uh, Yep, that's about all I have to say. Kendra, you have anything? This was so boring that I forgot I read it. Yeah. Anyways, last story. This one is titled Love Life, featuring Aqualad. Uh, Aqualad, the second Aqualad, a.k.a. Jackson, I want to say Pierce? Mm, I don't know. Jackson last name. Uh, who is a the an adaptation of Young Justice, the TV show's uh, Kyle Durham. Uh, he is uh, going to a pride parade with a new character named Syl, S-Y-L. That's all we get. Um, they're hanging out at pride, and then he gets angry, and then everyone gets angry, and then it's revealed that it's being caused by Eclipso, who is uh, an incredibly powerful villain. Uh, just like the, the, the power scaling in this story doesn't really work out. Like Eclipso is like, you know, full-on take on the whole Justice League and beat them easily, destroy the world kind of level of evil, and he's fighting Aqualad. He said, uh, let me go make Aqualad mad at Pride. That's what I'm doing yeah. with my day. Eclipse's whole shtick is, like, um, the increasing, like, the, the anger and darkness inside of people, so it kind of makes sense that, like, since he's there, people are getting mad. I don't know. It's weird. Um... Aqualad naturally gets his butt handed to him by Eclipso, so Syl runs off and calls in <sighs> the JLQ. You want to guess what that stands for, folks? Kendra, you want to take it away? I don't really know. Hold on. It's it's the, it's it's the it's the Justice League queer. That's what I was thinking. It didn't quite yeah. make sense. Because it's a weird, so the weird phrasing, but yeah, I wanna I wanna read off what is said when they appear because it's a big splash page. Uh, so Extranio, the gay Doctor Strange, teleports in and says, "Quote: You crashed the wrong party, Eclipso. My JL JLQ kick line is going to send you back to oblivion." And that made me sad. That was uh, it. Wasn't a great sentence to say. Yeah. It was uh This is a nice splash page of all of the uh LGBTQ plus characters in DC Comics, or most of them at least. Uh we have uh the second steel, we have uh the Ray, we have the Aryan Wink, Tracy thirteen, Apollo and Midnighter, who we discussed earlier, uh Batwoman, Bunker, Crush, 
Shining Knight, Tasmanian Devil, and Tremor. Um, the unfortunate thing about this splash page is that exactly one of these characters is currently being featured in, the, in a comic. That being Crush. Out of all of these characters, in the, DC's trying to be like, oh, look at us, we're all inclusive, here's all these characters we have. But we don't use any of them. Isn't that funky fresh? Um, I be- although I do believe Midnighter is currently uh, has a backup story in the pages of Superman, and the Aryan Wink were featured in a recent uh, Suicide Squad run. A very good run, actually, that I think uh, we will be covering in Season 2. Um, but other than that, <clears throat> most of these characters haven't been seen or used in years. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of... It's... DC is trying to do this thing of like, look, look at us. We're cool. We have queer characters, but it just serves as a reminder that they're not actually using or featuring any of these queer characters. So it's a, a, a very hollow, a very hollow moment, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a very empty gesture. Mm, exactly. That's the words I was looking for. Uh, the JLQ very quickly beat up Eclipso and send him away. Um, again, I don't think. I, even with this many people, the power levels just don't, they just don't really match up, but whatever. Uh, and then there's some big monologue about showing pride as everyone makes out on the final page. And that is uh, DC Pride. Oh, wait, actually, there's one more thing. Um, this is actually, I kind of actually like this. There's a, a the, the, the back pages are uh, profiles of characters that exist in the uh, DC TV shows that are queer. So we get uh, Dreamer, that's being cur- currently featured in Supergirl. We get the new Batwoman, uh, who had to replace the first Batwoman actress because she left the show after the first season. Ugh. Uh, we get White Canary and John Constantine that are featured in Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we get Thunder, who's being featured in Black Lightning, and we get a Negative Man from Doom Patrol. Oh, um, love Negative Man. I do kind of man. appreciate this. Yeah, he's, he's a cool character. I haven't actually seen the Doom Patrol show, but he's a very cool character in the comics, too. Um, I do, I, I think this is, uh, this is what DC tried to do with the JLQ splash page, uh, but I, it is handled actually better in my opinion. Cause it's like, here's all these characters and where you can find them. Cause I think that's really like the, the, the missing part from that splash page is like, yeah, here's all these characters, but where can I read more about them? Um, and that is DC pride. Uh, it, it's all right. Um, was it a reminder that DC has some pretty cool queer characters? Yes. Was it a reminder that DC doesn't use any of the queer characters? Also, yes. Um, and that's about all I have to say. Any closing thoughts on this, Kendra? Uh, good writing. I liked most of the the stories, like, overall, except for Be Gay, Do Crime. But that was just a really bad outlier. A lot of DC stories are really gloomy. This was... This was a fun mix-up for DC, in my opinion. Yeah. On average, the stories were pretty good. Uh, All right. Uh, We will now be moving over to Marvel Voices, colon, Pride. Uh, We will be comparing one to the other, but we're going to do that after we get through uh, all of the stories. Um, This features a lot more stories than were in DC Pride, but they're uh, also a lot shorter. Um, and the reason for that is because Marvel 
has more queer characters than DC, and they actually use them. But we'll get more into that after we run through the summary. So, starting off, we have a story just called Introduction, which is a prodigy of the X-Men, uh, a bi-icon himself, giving sort of a in-universe history of uh, LGBTQ plus characters in Marvel, uh, starting with a uh, gay caveman named Vun, all the way up to uh, just recent stuff that's happened in like recent comics, like Iceman coming out. Uh, I thought this was I thought this was honestly pretty nice because it was uh, even I forgot about some of the characters uh, featured in this introduction. Uh, did you have any thoughts, Kendra? There are a surprising number of queer characters in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, and two of them are Wiccan and Hulkling, which uh, are featured in the next story. Not really a story. It's called The Vows. And uh, it is Hulkling and Wiccan's wedding vows because they were recently married in last summer's big crossover event called Empire. Uh, this is something that actually makes me like the Marvel Pride one-shot more than the DC Pride one-shot because uh, every, every time, like after every story featuring these characters, they tell you where you can go to read about these characters. And I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Sometimes they condescendingly tell you during the story, like, oh, you're not reading this? You should. That's, yeah, that's just like a comic book thing. Like, every time there's a crossover or something, there's, like, an editor's note, like, what, you're not reading this story? That's just, like, a cool... Like, that's been, they've been doing that since the 60s. It's not a new thing. But, yeah, it's, I I never really considered how weird that could be to an outsider. Uh, but, yes, uh, uh, Wiccan, uh, a.k.a. Billy Kaplan, uh, was actually recently fe featured in the Disney Plus series uh, WandaVision. Although, of course, that was uh, him as a uh, young child. Um, but uh, yes, Wiccan is uh, Wanda's, one of Wanda's twin sons. Um, the MCU, while the MCU version of them is pretty messed up, the in-comic version is worse. Uh, let me think. So uh, Wanda, and we covered this in, in, in an older episode where we were actually talking about WandaVision. Um, in the comics... Wanda wanted children, but she was married to Vision, who, as a robot, doesn't have sperm. So instead, she magicked her children into existence. It was eventually revealed that her twin kids, Billy and Tommy, were created from fragments of the devil's soul, which is a whole thing. <laughs> um, Billy eventually uh, developed magical powers similar to his mother, uh, in fact, it's like a prophecy that eventually he will become uh, like an all-powerful magic god and like create a utopia. It, it, it's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, this was very short, very sweet, just very nice wedding vows. Uh, next up we have Under the Stars featuring Nico Minoru and Carolina Dean from, uh, I can't, mm, brain fart. What's their series called? Come on, Brain. Is this The Runaways? It's Yes, thank you, Runaways, which uh, I've been following. I think it's like one of the better things that Marvel is currently being put out, but it's not talked about a lot. 
so I, I recommend the current run of Runaways. It's very fun. Um, Runaways is about a bunch of chill, like the kids of minor supervillains kind of finding out that their parents are supervillains and dealing with that. Um, at this point, they have long since defeated their parents, and now it's just them kind of living. They keep, like, there's just this, this ongoing thing of, like, them hanging out, and then, like, a superhero shows up and tries to drag them into superhero stuff, and they're like, no thanks. And then the superhero goes, all right, and leaves. Um, so a recent development is that uh, two of them, Nico and Carolina, have started dating. They're both uh, female-identifying. Uh, so this story shows them trying to go on like a normal date night to a concert. Um, there's a there's a joke that's made where it's like, oh, every queer person has dated every other queer person or their ex, that kind of thing. Which like, yeah, it's accurate, but you don't got to point it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, this one was literally nothing but this. There was no story here. Yeah, this is I think. This, more so than the DC one, is mostly just uh, advertising for current ongoing Marvel series. But what that means is that a lot of current ongoing Marvel series feature queer characters. So it's, I, I don't really view that as like a negative. Uh, the next story is titled Something New Every Day, uh, featuring Elektra who, uh, as of right now, is operating under the name Daredevil, and uh, Dr. McGowan, who is a character from... A pretty recent character from... Uh, uh, oh, God, what's it called? Immortal Hulk, which is the current Hulk series. Incredible. It's... I, holy crap. Immortal Hulk is so good. It's, like, the best thing that Marvel has put out in a long time. And uh, McGowan is a, an, a, a open trans, uh, an openly transgender woman. Um, so this this story isn't really focused on that, but it uses an interaction between uh, Daredevil, Electro Daredevil, McGowan, and a group of like D-lister villains named the Fast Five to sort of uh, explore that concept. Um, there's a very well handled moment where Daredevil uh, uses like unintentionally offensive language towards uh, trans women. Uh, so McGowan corrects her, and Daredevil is immediately like, oh, yeah, that's my bad. I didn't know. I'll, I'll do better. And I think that's, like, that's just something that we need to see more of in this kind of media. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then another, just like the last one, another, like, common joke is made of, like, we don't, like, you know, transgender people don't all know each other. How dare you suggest that? And then, like, five minutes later, oh, yeah, we totally know each other. Which is, again, kind of a common joke made in queer-focused media. It's an alright joke. Overused, but it's alright. There are no more funny gay jokes. (laughs) They've all been made already. They've all been made. Okay, next story. Oh boy, This, this, this title alone gives me a headache. So the title of the story is called... When a black cat crosses your path, you give them the right of way, which is a paragraph and not a title. Uh, This features the black cat and a character named Jesse Drake, uh, who was Marvel's first openly trans character. And uh, this is her third ever appearance in a comic book. 
Do you want to know what her other two appearances are? Please tell. Her debut issues from 1994. She appeared in two issues that introduced her, and then never again until this story. Uh, oh, God. How many years later is it? I should... Uh, math. 26? Uh, 2021. 27. Yeah, 27 years. So she appeared in two issues in 94, and then 27 years later appears in this story. And that's it. Uh, she's some sort of uh, empathic shapeshifter... Uh, I don't know. This 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 mostly feels like one of those things where it's it, it's the writer just trying to introduce a new character, so they like slap in some well-known character to interact with them. So maybe we'll see more of uh, Jesse in the future. Who knows? Um, also, it's insinuated that Black Cat kind of wants to bone her, which I think would be the first instance of Black Cat being bi and or pan, which is pretty cool to me. This was less of a gay one-shot, more of, oh, we're setting up something for later, and it just happens yeah. to have a trans woman in it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one is a very fun story. This is called Totally Invulnerable, featuring uh, Titania, uh, who's a villain, and She-Hulk, but not actually She-Hulk, a She-Hulk cosplayer. The story starts with Titania tracking down She-Hulk at a convention and, like, chasing her through the streets until it's eventually revealed that this is not Jennifer Walters, but instead Jennifer Harris, a cosplayer. It's very fun, very cute. Um, there's a fun little throwback to She-Hulk being, like, the first uh, comic book character to break the fourth wall way before... I... Oh, man. I, I know it's his shtick, but, like, I hate when people are like, oh, Deadpool's, you know, the, the fourth wall guy. Like, no... She-Hulk did it decades before him, and in a much better fashion. Uh, yeah, so Titania figures out that this is not actually She-Hulk, but a woman in green body paint. They end up getting, I think, macaroons is what they're eating? Unclear. Uh, and they chat a bit. Uh, it turns out that the She-Hulk cosplayer is... Um, oh, God, I'm showing my ignorance here. Either trans or non-binary? I'm not sure. Kendra, could you tell? Uh, all I know is they're not cis. Yes, some, they, they, they use the terminology, and I'm quoting, going through the wrong puberty. Um, so, and, and she mentions, uh, legally changing her name. So she's, she's not cis, something. Um, and then they share a joke and laugh, and then a Deadpool cosplayer walks by and is obnoxious, so then it's implied that they kill him which is the preferred fate of all Deadpool cosplayers, in my opinion. And I can say that now oh. because this isn't going on the radio. This is just, this is, this is, <laughs> this is just for, our, for our edited listeners. So I, I can say things like that. Bold. Uh, yeah. I think it was a nice story. Yeah. I love when gay people make friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, next up is a story titled Colossus featuring Prodigy and Speed, the other uh, Scarlet Witch demon son. I love that they're both not straight. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, this story, Prodigy discusses his journey to accept his bi-ness uh, whilst living amongst the X-Men, mostly fueled by how hot Colossus is, which is so funny. And, like... Cause, Cause, this story features art of Colossus in his classic costume, and like, 
I haven't realized until now that that costume hides very little. Uh, as a bi man, I identified very heavily with the story. I, I liked it a lot, which I feel like I'm saying a lot in this one shot, but yeah, I, I just like this one shot more. Did you have any thoughts on this story? This is one that I liked more, but I understood less of. Because he was, he was saying things about his powers that didn't really make any sense to me. But I was like, work king. Right, so Prodigy's powers involve... Uh, if someone gets within a certain radius of him, he sort of has access to their uh, uh, like knowledge and skills. Um, so basically like everything except the actual powers. Uh, so that he talks about how that, uh, influenced his, uh, experiences with his sexuality because he experienced a wide range of other people's sexualities. Um, he was one of the people depowered doing during M day, but there was like then some thing later where he didn't get his powers back, but he did unlock the ability to access like all of the knowledge that he ever had access to before. Cause you, how, uh, how it used to be is like once someone left that radius, he lost access to their knowledge, but yeah, I don't know. Prodigy's a cool character. He's, uh, uh, coming into prominence more and more in recent X-Men comics. Uh, I think he's featured a lot in, uh, I want to say X factor. Yeah. X factor. Um, so if you want to get more prodigy goodness, go check out X factor. Uh, it's, out of like the current X-Men sub universe. It's one of my favorites. Um, what follows is a section titled, and I'm serious about this. It's titled big gay moments, which is hilarious. Uh, and it's basically just a rundown of issues of Marvel comics that featured, um, LGBTQ plus characters or moments or etc. Um, stuff like alpha flight one Oh six, which was, uh, the feature featured like the first openly gay character in comic book history. Um, Rawhide kid number one from 2003, which rebranded the character to be a gay cowboy, which is fantastic. Um, the Avengers child Cru children's crusade number nine, which featured the engagement of Wiccan and Hulkling uh, and astonishing X-Men number 51 from 2012, which I remember, I remember uh, like seeing advertisements for this, uh, for this issue. Um, cause it was, uh, Marvel's first, like shown same sex marriage, uh, that being between, uh, North star and his husband, who is a normal human and whose name I always forget. Um, but I remember that being a big deal even back then. Uh, not really much else to say about this. This is just Marvel being like, look at us. We're progressive. Uh, let's see here. Next story is titled good Judy. I don't know what that title means. <laughs> No clue. I was really trying to figure it out. Uh, could not do it. Uh, this features a whole bunch of X-Men characters, but mainly uh, Anole, uh, Grey Malkin, Dakin, and Pixie. Uh, Grey Malkin is an interesting character who I honestly didn't know much about before reading this one shot. Uh, he was a mutant back in like, uh, God, like the 1600s, like the, the, the real pioneer days. Um, but between coming out as gay and, you know, his mutant genes triggering and growing like gray skin and pointy ears, he was buried underground by his father and left to die. But fortunately for him, his mutant skill was that his power increased 
relative to uh or rather his power decreased relative to how much light he was exposed to so like the more darkness he's in the more powerful he is so that enabled him to live underground for hundreds of years in a self-imposed exile fun what is um anole anole is like one of my favorite x-men characters he is a a gay lizard boy and that's about the, (laughs) the the simplest i can say about him he's he's super fun um, he's recently gone through, like, some weird corruption storyline, and he's, like, doing some not cool things behind the scenes on the X-Men island, uh, which isn't super fun, but this story mostly ignores that, which lets me ignore that. Um, this story mostly features Anole being bummed because he thinks no one wants to bone him because he looks like a lizard person, and then Dakin, who I have described in my notes as Wolverine's hot, slutty, bi-slash-pan son, uh, comes up and says basically, nah, you're hot. Also, what that tongue do? Uh, and then they dance. I still don't know what Krakoa is. Okay, that's... Uh... <laughs> okay. Uh, l- look out for season two of the comic book book club where I try and explain what the hell is going in on going on in Krakoa. Cool. Uh, what you need to know for now is that it's the island headquarters for the mutants and they've all decided to move there and declare it a sovereign nation. Okay. Okay, because some weird stuff happens later, and I was like, "Is this heaven?" No, <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, speaking of X Men, the man, the I'm not looking. Literally, the rest of these stories are all X Men stories, which honestly makes sense because uh, the X Men have been used as an allegory for a lot of different suppressed people groups, but. Like, queer people are the most common. So it makes sense that a lot of X-Men characters are queer. Including the one featured in the next story, Iceman. Uh, This story is titled Early Thaw. Uh, It's a flashback story to the early days of the young X-Men. And it has a a young Iceman pining over Angel. Uh, And then it's a... This is a very cute sequence. Basically, um, Magneto shows up with all these missiles to blow up Xavier's school... And then he looks down and sees Iceman crying by himself. And he's like, ah, jeez, I gotta go. I gotta go help this little boy. Um, and then uh, Magneto and Iceman have this chat about being different. Um, they're not the same kind of different, but, you know, Iceman is experiencing what it's like to be a young gay person in the 60s. And Magneto went through the Holocaust, so they at least bond on that. And then it ends, it ends very cutely with Iceman asking if he can try on Magneto's helmet. And he's like, <laughs> this is sick. He's like, awesome. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's adorable. So it is absolutely adorable. Uh, the next story is very short. It is three pages. It is titled The Man I Know. And it is uh, North Star's husband, Kyle, listing all the reasons he loves North Star. And that's it. <laughs> it's gay and to the point. I really thought this was Spock for a long time. Yeah, like, the art style is, is so weird. I don't... Okay, go to the first page of the story. Do you see how veiny Northstar is? Yeah. It looks like it's something's like, wrong with him. I was him. like, Spock has a disease. That's what this story is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple, only three stories left. Next one is titled The Grey Ladies, and it features uh, Mystique and Destiny. Uh, Mystique, a.k.a. Raven Darkholm, and uh, Destiny, a.k.a. Irene Sadler. Um, In this story, 
which is set circa 1900. Uh, Mystique and Irene and Destiny are threatened by Professor Moriarty. Yes, that Professor Moriarty, the one from Sherlock Holmes, uh, who wants to basically blackmail the two of them into having Destiny marry him and then like getting Mystique into his like science lab to dis- dissect her or whatever. And it's very creepy. So Mystique basically says, no, nah, I'm not down for that. And then she just kills him, which is baller. It's very, very baller of Mystique. Go crazy. Sometimes you just got to kill a man, which is like Mystique's MO. <laughs> uh, and then it ends with the two of them making out really hard. Uh, so Mystique and Destiny is, are a very uh, interesting like they're they're oh man i'll just i'll just j- jump into it um it, it it took a while for them to be very explicitly uh stated as a gay couple but it, they've pretty much been uh whether obviously or not a couple since their first appearance um they they actually <laughs> they raised rogue uh the other famous x-men character like since birth as their adopted daughter. So they're just like, just hanging out in the seventies and eighties, being gay, doing crimes and raising children. Very baller of them. Uh, there's a, a whole thing ramping up in the current pages of X-Men because part of the whole Krakoa thing is that, uh, mutants have figured out how to revive dead people. And, uh, as of right now, destiny is dead. So Mystique's like, Hey, where's my wife? And, uh, the leaders of the mutants are basically like, well, we could give you your wife, but first you got to do all this spy stuff for us. And she's like, all right, fine. And then she messes up the spy stuff and they're like, oops, guess we're not giving you your wife back. So Mystique's probably going to tear down the mutant civilization As she over should. her wife. As she yeah. should. It's, oh man, it's got, I just, the current X-Men stuff is so good. That's just one example of like, the intriguing things that are happening on Krakoa. Speaking of Krakoa, another Krakoa story. This one titled You Deserve, uh, featuring karma, magic, and a new character named Galora. Uh, This one's also pretty short and simple. Uh, uh, Karma is pining over Galora, and she's like, man, I'm kind of lame. What girl would ever like me? And then Magic's like, girl, you stupid. Go kiss her. So she does. End of story. End of story. <laughs> Open and shut case. Uh, and then finally, the final and most intriguing story in this one shot, uh, titled Man of His Dreams, featuring Dakin, Aurora, who is uh, North Star's sister, and a new character named Somnus. So the concept is this. Back in 1967, Dakin had a one-night stand with a mutant named Carl, whose uh, mutant ability let them experience a full lifetime together uh, over the course of a single night via a shared dream, uh, which absolutely spooked Dakin. So he basically just ran after a one-night stand. Um, And then there's a a short montage showing, like, Dakin doing his thing, which mostly involves fighting Wolverine, and Carl doing his thing, which involves getting married and raising a family. Uh, Until recently... Uh, at least compared to whatever time the comic takes place in, where Carl died of old age. Uh, so Dakin goes and uh, revives him in a young man's body on Krakoa, 
uh, as previously mentioned, Krakoa figured out how to revive dead people, so uh, they can... But between Via their shared life in that whole dream thing, Dagan knows that Carl wanted to live his life as a, you know, openly gay man, but couldn't because of it being the 60s. Uh, so he makes the decision to retrieve his body and revive him in like a 20-year-old body on Krakoa. Uh, after which Carl name, renames himself Somnus. And then there's a big thing of like, ooh, Somnus is going to be doing things by our comics. Yeah, this is the one that I under- this is the one that I understood the absolute least cuz I understood no one's power and I understood that the- I didn't understand that they can bring people back from the dead. So I was like, how did he get here? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh I just this was I love stories where like a typically like savage mean character is shown to have a soft side. I I I eat that up. I eat that up like little crumbs off the floor. Because I'm a little comic rat. I'm a little comic rat boy. So I was a big fan of this. Uh, And then uh, to finish off the one shot, they have a big two-page spread that says love is love with a big old pride flag and, you know, all of their queer characters hanging out at a pride parade. Uh, And then to actually finish it off, they have a reprinting of a segment from Alpha, Alpha Flight number 106, which was published in 1992, uh, which is most known for this being the issue where Northstar comes out, uh, which is the first, and I, I Googled it to make sure, the first openly gay character in comic book history. So congrats to Marvel for that. Uh, and that is Marvel Voices Pride. Northstar is the one that looks like Spock, right? Yes. Okay. His powers involve flight and super speed and also pointy ears, question mark? I, I liked this. I liked this more than the DC one. Um, did you have any thought Before we get into comparing them, did you have any thoughts, Kendra? On the DC one in general? On, on the Marvel one in general. Oh, on the Marvel one in general. I like this one more than I like DC, which is comparing. <laughs> so we might as well get into comparing them. Yeah. So... Uh, the DC Pride one-shot had fewer stories than the Marvel. They're about the same length, but the DC one had fewer but longer stories. But I think that's just because DC didn't have as many characters to work with. Um, the other big difference is that like, all of the Marvel characters, like I said, are actually featured in comics, either currently recently or like soon in the future the 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 past couple pages are of the marvel one shot are just here's where to find all these characters um so i i I really i don't want this comparison to be like a oh who won pride but i will say that overall in my opinion marvel did this better than dc because marvel actually uses their queer characters Instead of just saying, hey, look at this queer character. Isn't that cool? And then throwing him in the back closet for years. Okay. That's not quite an issue with the comic. More an issue with how Marvel and DC are set up as companies. Like, just an overall 
all year long they're not using their characters. Yeah, well, where else am I going to talk? Like, this is the you know this is the time to address that sort of stuff. But is it so, not? Yeah, even though DC had fewer characters, they also had better, not better stories, but like more storyish stories. More fleshed out, like yeah. deeper. Yeah, they had room to do stuff with their stories. Whereas Marvel yeah. was like, here's a character, and this is where you can find them, and that's all. Yeah. I I suppose that, again, sort of ties into, <laughs> or is related to the fact that, like, if you want a more meatier stories with this character, you can just go and read the comics that they're currently in. Uh, but, yeah. Um... You want to rate these bad boys? Yeah. 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 Let's do that. I think I will give DC Pride mm, I'll say one I'll say one thumbs up out of two. I will give it one thumbs up as well. And I think for Marvel Pride I will give uh yeah, depending on if it's a good day for me, one and a half to two thumbs up. I really liked the Marvel Pride one. I'm going to give it a solid one and a half just because I do wish the stories were more fleshed out and that I didn't have to mm -hmm. go and find 16 different comics. Yeah, that's a good point. Alrighty, uh, closing remarks. Um, we are still on our summer hiatus, but you can expect to see season two coming, uh, coming to you either in late August or early September. Um, we are now available on Apple Podcasts. So if that's your cup of tea, you can go there, uh, give us five stars leave a rating all that good stuff to make the algorithms like us more uh, if you want to talk to us if you want to share your thoughts if you want to give us recommendations questions we can answer all that good stuff uh, you can tweet us at cbc pod on twitter that's at cbc pod or you can email us at cbc pod at gmail.com i've been your host matt lasik i've been your co-host kendra forte and until next time excelsior and happy pride